You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is The Sacred Cross by friend of the fireplace Pascal Farfel, who spends much of his time as a fursuiter and musician, but is occasionally known to pick up a pen and paper, and you can find more of his stories on his Fur Affinity page. Please enjoy The Sacred Cross by Pascal Farfel. It was a cold and foggy autumn night, and Samantha was tending to her laboratory. It was located in the rural outskirts, somewhere where there was no light pollution. Her equipment contained various tools and devices, but chiefly contained a light magnifier, capable of reaching a significantly high temperature. She was a grey wolf with thick, long black hair, and was clad in a jacket, gloves, a skirt, and knee-high boots, all made of a skin-tight and shiny black rubber, due to the level of mud and other unpleasantness around the site of the lab, meaning these were easy to clean if needed, plus she found them very comfortable as well. A quiet, shy one, she cut a short, slender figure, the all-black writing checks for mystique that her manner couldn't cash. From the window by her desk she could see lots of stone ruins, various rocks coated in moss and deep in the soft marsh land, and as she looked out of the window that evening something caught her eye. All of the tablets were moss-ridden, wet, and vaguely rotting, except for one. And out of the corner of Samantha's eye she'd always see it, a large cross with a circle around its spokes. Something just looked wrong about it. Sure, she was no expert on architecture, but it seemed to fit thematically with the others, but it seemed brighter, clearer than the others. But again, she was sat fairly far away and couldn't see it too close. The wolf had decided to keep it out of her mind and focus on her works, as she had done for the past month or so now. Her tests were nearing completion, when once, while she was working, she heard a knock at the door downstairs. She got to her feet and went down to check. Samantha opened the door a crack and peeked out, but nobody was there. She looked to the left and the right, up and down, but nobody could be seen. She closed the door and went to go back upstairs again, but to her bemusement, the knocks came again. With a humph, she returned to the door, this time opening it wide and taking a deep look. Her eyes noted grass patches, wooden fence, a gnome back along the fence and down to the pu- The gnome was gone! Her heart rate doubled. It was there, she saw it with her own eyes, but now it wasn't. She looked down beside her, and there it was. Its posture had changed. It had moved while she wasn't looking. Samantha gulped, knees knocking together. She didn't know what to do, but she kept her eyes on it firmly. After a minute or so of deliberation, she nervously reached down with her rubber-gloved paws and picked it up, holding it permanently in her eyeline. It had sunken eyes, red ones. It didn't look the least bit jolly. It looked vicious. She closed the door with her foot, bolting it, keeping an eye permanently on the gnome. Samantha moved it into the small makeshift kitchen and placed it down on the sideboard. Once it was placed down, she took a few steps back. Instinctively, she looked behind her, squeaking and looking ahead again when she realized her mistake. She couldn't see the gnome again, but she could see where it had gone. To her mild annoyance, it had landed right in a large vat of washed onions she was preparing. The bowl was deeper than the gnome was, so it was trapped in there. Even when she looked away and she could hear it struggling and battering at it, it didn't have the mass to tip it over, nor the ability to climb out on the slippery, smooth and wet sides of the container. With the gnome under control, she nervously moved back to the door, the sound of the gnome's fighting growing weaker. 
Looking out the door, her eyes fell on the cross. Her heart filled with dread as it seemed to look different again, brighter almost. She moved across to put a lid on the gnome in the pan, and locking it down, not bothering to look at it, just making sure it couldn't escape. The knocking had stopped on the sides, but she didn't want it to jump out at her. With every form of fastening and fixing she could find, she opened the door and slipped outside, opening the door for the smallest amount of time as possible, and the smallest amount open as possible, closing it immediately afterwards and locking it. The air outside was cold, and it bit at her knees and her thighs and loins under her skirt. Her eyes scanned the forests and the marshes around her as she moved, minding her footing as she approached the cross. It seemed clean, almost brand new perhaps. It was made of the same sort of dark rock as the others, but lacked any form of growth. But more than that, the area surrounded it seemed to repel any form of life from it, like antibiotics in a petri dish. She could see algae trying to reach it, and just dying within a sort of circular area around it. Samantha made sure not to get too close, just in case it did it to her, too. She stepped back from the cross, convinced it had something to do with a gnome. Upon spinning around to go back inside, she jumped and clutched her hands to her chest, fists clenched, discovering a field of more gnomes. At least ten, maybe more like twenty, had assembled before her. But straight ahead, she ran back through them to the house, locking the door behind her and cowering against the wall behind it. She could hear the thundering sound of their little feet on the ground outside. She could hear them battering at the door, but, she noticed, without the ability to batter it down. They were weak, but they were numerous. Samantha quickly remembered the one in the saucepan, grabbing some tongs and flinging the lid open. To her amazement, the gnome had practically dissolved into a sludgy liquid inside the bottom of the pan. It was then that she knew what she had to do. She took a knife, a vast one, and one of the onions she hadn't cut up yet. She sunk the knife blade into the onion, coating it in the juice, then returned to the door. She threw open the door and began the attack. The knife wouldn't cut the gnomes, more knock them down, but it was the onion juice which did the job. Once even a drop touched them, they began to scream in agony and melt, howling and withering in pain until they became puddles of matter, soon burning to embers and ashes. It was difficult to fight something so small without being toppled, having to jump around briskly and catch them unawares, striking one down, jumping to the other side, striking another and jumping again. But soon the gnomes were dead, and their screams faded into the rustling of the trees. She checked that none had escaped inside, then locked her door and looked up the path to the cross. And she knew what she had to do. The cross had started to glow, and had a certain stench of death about it. She reapplied the onion juice to the blade of her knife as she approached it. Once stood before it, she raised the blade over her head, clutched in both paws, and plunged it into the neck of the cross. The blade sunk all the way deep, and out from the depths came a thick, boiling purple sludge. Before it could touch her, she released the knife and jumped aside. She was startled to a scream by a bolt of lightning striking the top of the cross. At this point she began to flee, running back towards the house, stopping when she reached the door, and looking back up the hill at the bleeding cross. Lightning continued to strike it before one bolt made a constant hit at the top ebb, then another to its left point, and a final one to its right. The cross emitted a banshee-like howling scream before exploding in a shower of dust. 
Samantha recoiled her form against the door, having no time to get inside, and, once the dust settled, looked up to see that the cross had been obliterated. She stood there, heart battering at her ribcage, eyes darting around for any consequences to her actions. The fog began to lift, and the dust from where the cross once stood began to evaporate off, lifting up into the sky, revealing a small metal plaque under the pile of ash. Curiosity consumed her. She couldn't. She knew she shouldn't. But she had to know. She started to step forth again, leaning down to read the plaque. "'Here lies Joanne Miles, keeper of the sacred cross,' it read. Beneath the plaque was a small box. "'No, no, no, none of this could be real. Could it? Mystic bleeding crosses, gnomes that attacked her, and now some little box?' She started talking herself out of opening the box as her paws held it and flicked the latch. The box sprung open and reeked. She dropped it and fell to the ground, believing, nay, fearing it to be poison. As her body remained shaken but operational, she finished opening the box. Within was little more than a mouldy onion, explaining at least in some mystic but nonsense way why her trick with the knife had worked earlier. She wrapped the box in cling film, all she had to hand, took it inside, and encased it in the safe downstairs. Finally, she locked the door and took a final look out to the graveyard, where that cross used to stand. Life used to rot. If there was any magic left in this place, Samantha would have to face that in the morning. The End This was The Sacred Cross by Pascal Farfel. Read to you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dogs.